Okay. All right, we're in. We're in. We're in. We're back. Oh my god, we're back. <sighs> it has been. It has been ages, actually. It, I don't, since I we don't lost even it know. Anything. Last time I saw you, we didn't even have a podcast since then. That, I saw you in the UK. Oh right? shit! Yeah, the, that's weird. The last time we actually spoke was in person, which is very yeah. out of uh, out of the norm for both of us. Yeah, man. Jeez, we haven't done this in a while. So yeah, uh, we can't possibly cover all the news that's happened. It's actually been a really busy month. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about our own lives. Good idea, Gwen. Uh, so the last time I saw you was at uh, EGX in Birmingham in the UK, and you were exhibiting your game, Kine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I showed off Kine. That went well. Um, I, I had a really good time there. I, God, it feels like so long ago. I don't even have my thoughts together anymore. <laughs> oh, I, that's, a, that's a really not not the nicest uh, city in the world to visit. No. For, for fun. But, you know, that happened. Yeah. I, I say that to a few people because I have worked that convention center a good number of times and a few people have come over from the US or anywhere and I've been like, you know, Birmingham is not where you're going to get the best of the UK and nothing against anyone who's listening in Birmingham, but if you're in Birmingham Airport Parkway, that you're not seeing anything yeah. good there. <laughs> Basically, because I didn't have a car, so I was just like there at, the, at that center, the yeah. big center thing yeah that was fine i guess but i mean the actual show was pretty cool i thought left field so the left field collection i i'm on the fence about this it's insanely cool and i'm not entirely sure why kind was there like there's these art installations like the the table next to me they this guy made a game about uh like it's a shredder that he paper mache around so it looked like a little monster and the game is you're supposed to in order to advance through the game there's like this book that's talking to you. Uh, and what you have to do is in real life, you rip a page out of a book and you shred it. Um, that's pretty cool. And it, it is cool. And it's kind of fucked up what it does to you mentally. Cause it's like, you don't want to rip a page out of game of Thrones. You don't like destroying a book feels weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> destroying books is linked to the worst of humanity. So <laughs> it feels odd. It's, it's super bizarre, but like it, it, and so it's interesting and everything else in the left field collection was interesting. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I knew I was doing some indie bullshit, but I didn't think I was like <laughs> art installation. Like, no, this is, yeah. Anyway, but I, I loved it, man. Oh my God. I loved the, the left field collection. That was really cool. It was cool to be around those people. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to say hello to Jay Tholen, who we saw there, who was showing off uh, Hypnospace Outlaw. I think is the yes. name. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's really cool. He's a cool guy. And it was really nice to actually meet him in person. Yeah. Yeah, that game was cool too. Yeah, that, that everything there was it's cool. I've got no, nothing but positive things to say actually. <laughs> like that, that part of EGX was great. I'm flattered that I was a part of it. Like it's amazing. Uh, I Now that I know that this is a thing that exists, I wish it was in, like I wish we had the, this weird little niche thing at, at PAX and in other places too it's just a really it's curated to just be a really cool little space and it's like you know you go to these convention halls and you're used to just the the massive oppressive like you feel like you're in a home depot yeah. you know what i mean yeah exactly it's like Vibe. sony microsoft and yeah and yeah. the neon signs and bright lights and shit and here they they created just this really calm space with white walls that have art on them and it's just it's nice it's just nice. It's like it's like walking to someone's home and playing a bunch of weird little 
weird little art projects. It's beautiful. I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, now you're saying that, my brain is instantly thinking like, because I know there's Indie Mega Booth and there's things like that, but I'm like, there's not... Whenever I've been to a PAX, at least, there's not something quite as relaxing and arty as that was. And I'm like, man, it'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Someone should do I that. Mean, it's definitely... We've talked about this before, but there's definitely a spectrum of how commercial you are, right? Yeah. Like how... Um, and there's the, there's these different sliders, like how big is your studio? How much do you want your studio to grow? Also, how commercial are you? And these sliders aren't necessarily connected, but they're kind of connected a little bit, maybe. Yeah. But And then you get like... Um, but yeah, this is just... Most of the people in the left field collection are like, this is not a commercial product. Yeah. I guess that's the thing that, that blew me away. It's like, this is this is really just for the, like, we're, we're doing this because we want to make a thing. And it was beautiful. It was cool. Yeah, there was Man, some I, really cool stuff. And it, I mean, it still got a lot of foot traffic. Like, yeah. um, we'll talk about your experiences in a second. But like, it, I was there for pretty much all of the Saturday, which is, you know, notoriously the busiest day of a convention. But... It, there was people going in and out of that whole bit. It wasn't ever dead, except for like the very beginning of the day, because obviously the people there that early know exactly where they're going, so they're not browsing. Yeah. But like, yeah, it, it, people were looking at it and playing games. Oh yeah, totally. Like I thought it was really successful. I I think that yeah, that was great. That was a great little thing. And I and you're right. It doesn't compare at all to the indie mega booth, right? Like when you go to the indie mega booth, you're you're selling merch. It's extremely commercial. Like you're well, yeah, you're it's... trying to promote a brand. You're trying to and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not that's at all. Not bad. Right? It's, I think that's that's it's important super too. important. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> in these giant commercial enterprises, you need to make money. But they're definitely, or at least from the experience I had there, I was like, man, it definitely feels like there. Even if you're just doing it from a like philanthropic kind of point of view. There is a space for like a come here and just kind of chill out and check out these cool games that don't necessarily have the expectation of like, this is cool. It was just like, this is a fun experience. Yeah, it's definitely something. I mean, there's certain things that do really well in shows like this. Like this is something that I can totally see people who just make games like this that go to shows or um, I mean, we've talked before uh, uh Something that shows really well at shows but doesn't sell very well is generally couch co-op games. Yeah. So, like, people taking those to conventions, you will have a great time showing off your couch co-op game at conventions. And you'll probably get a couple sales right there on the spot, but you will have a much harder time selling that on Steam. You yeah. know what I mean? 100%. There was one across yeah. from us. I, uh, I forget the name of it now. Spiky Cats? That's it. Or Sticky yeah, Cats. Yeah, yeah. Sticky, Sticky cats, cats. Yeah. yes. Oh, Sticky it's cats. So cute. Because that was yeah. busy all the time. And I remember there was one point of the day where there was this group of kids that I swear were there for about 45 minutes, just playing yeah. it over and over again, like screaming at each other, but like through joy. And <laughs> like, and the amount of times I think I said to you at one point, I was like, I've heard people say, Sticky cats, as they walk by like a million times because it was like, wow, this just stands out. Like, and uh, it just does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, it was cool to be part of that collection. That was a cool collection, and it was cool. Like, uh, it was like kids. Man, they they test the crap out of your games. I wasn't. A kid comes up, just rolls his face across the keyboard. Found all kinds of interesting bugs. I didn't realize would be there. <laughs> like that was new. Uh, yeah, this was yeah. like the first time anyone other than select people had played it, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, this is the first time like strangers. Like, yeah like i mean i i fortunate i got to play it 
I think you sent it to me like a few days before you had it out. And yeah, I suck at puzzles. Uh, turns out, uh, <laughs> I already knew that. Uh, but the, my wife played it and played it a lot longer than me because she's actually smart and can do puzzles and whatnot. But even then, that's like a you're sending it to someone who's not just gonna go like "fuck you, Gwen" and walk away after two seconds. <laughs> like right. I'm, I'm gonna persist because I'm like, "Well, Gwen's my friend," and like either way, I'm gonna keep trying at this. But okay, like, no matter who you are, conventions are great for testing your on ramp. Yeah, right. Like, you're, you're. Do people immediately grok the controls? What do they do? And, it, and that was interesting too. That was interesting. Like the number of um. So most of most of the people I know, when I have them play it, like at Boston Indies, they'll immediately go Wazdy and and uh, mouse. Yeah. And they'll they'll click with the mouse. Whereas like, there's some people who who are really familiar with the puzzle script stuff, and they'll use um. What is it? Like WASD and X and Z. I've actually been oh. called that before. Like, why doesn't R reset? That's what it's supposed to do. I'm like, okay. That's <laughs> what uh, I'm like, is it? Like, I didn't we have know expectations that. now. Yeah. But then you get people who are like, like a kid will run up. The the screen will definitely say like WASD and mouse and keyboard, but the kid will definitely just put his fingers on the arrow keys. Yeah. And, uh, and just click. Like, it's adorable to watch them play. But, um, but yeah, everybody found a different control scheme. To the point where I'm like, uh, I I wish I could force people to use WASD and mouse, but I I also don't want to do that. I want to see if I can support all of them. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely yeah, like you say, it depends where you're coming from. Like you've mentioned the people that are like, why isn't R reset? Like that's not my experience of games, and I've played no. a lot of games, but I'm still like, I was WASD and mouse. I was like, okay, so PC, I'm seeing a keyboard and mouse in front of me. That's what I do. But for some people, like you say, it's going to be arrow keys or like, where's the controller? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't want to send an email. Where's the controller? Yeah, I do think uh, controller support is important. I just, I personally play games with the controller. I want to get yeah. that working. It's just hard to get with the, the main menus and stuff. But yeah, so there was a lot of, um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that was EGX. That was, believe it or not, like a month ago now, wasn't it? Oh, God. It feels like an eternity. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a while ago now. Man, that yeah. felt, that... It feels like a long time ago, but it also feels really recent at the same time. Where it's like, well, you just moved across the the ocean to yeah, America. Yeah, I live in America now. <laughs> so yeah, I think we mentioned that I was doing that before, but yeah, there's that's a big reason why we haven't done a podcast in a while because I've uh, I'm living in a different country now and doing a completely different job and. Yeah. Didn't didn't have your stuff for a while. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have anything to do anything with. But yeah, now I have things and I'm kind of settled-ish. Settled to the point where I'm at least like, okay, I know where shit is that I use on the reg. Like, I'm like, oh, TV, there you go. Xbox, turn it on. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I know where stuff is, so... Yeah, unpacking takes forever. I can't even imagine. I've never moved to another country. Oh, man. And ship your stuff across the ocean. Oh, my God. See, I didn't ship, like, I didn't ship stuff across. We, like, to to almost the point of it being heart-wrenching, threw so much stuff in the bin or sold it. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I just, cause we got to a point, I think we just left, like maybe we left packing too late. We were overly confident in how long things were going to take. But, um, it got to the point where it was like stuff that I'm like, man, I've had this since I was like 10. <laughs> this is one of the few things that has survived my entire life. And I'm like, 
but I do not have room for it in these four bags, and we're not shipping anything because it costs so much money. So, bin. <laughs> and it's one of those ones where you're like, ah, I don't want to throw this away. Goodbye, goodbye. It's gone. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just stuff. So there was a yeah, lot of that. You won't miss it. No. Yeah, you're you're gonna start living like me. Yeah, nothing, no stuff. Everything, everything in suitcases, man. I, it was. That was it. I was like, if yeah. it doesn't go in, we had uh, four things that were like checked bags, and then two carry-on sized bags. And it was like, if it doesn't go in these, between the two of us, we're not bringing it with us, and we're buying it again. So, yeah, that that was the thing and it it's oh, man, it's been a it's been a long a long process. I mean, this this whole move and new job has been in the works since a year. It's almost been exactly a year. Yeah, TwitchCon is next week. It was TwitchCon last year that uh my friend Adam, who people will know as Dose One, who does lots of soundtracks for indie games, uh mm-hmm. first approached me with the idea of this job and it was like okay and that was a year ago so turns out getting a visa into the united states or probably any country is a long process (laughs) it's it's moving to america is a uh, non-trivial we've yeah we're pretty isolationist these days with regards to letting people into the country yeah and uh don't even get me started don't even get me started (laughs) gwen there are so many things that like there's so many brilliant things and there's so many terrible things, but that will be another show for another day. People listening yeah. to an Englishman talk about that stuff would not be interesting. But needless to say, a lot has had to be done and a lot has happened, but I am here now. So there we are. Well, welcome to America. <laughs> Thank you, Gwen. Uh, yeah, a lot of people say it like when you land, they're like, welcome home. I'm like, oh, thank you. People are very nice in Santa Fe is what I've noticed. Yes. Well, Santa Fe is a beautiful city. It's basically just nothing but coffee shops and art galleries. It's amazing. Pretty much. It's like, I always thought if I just needed to buckle down and get some work done in like a solitude, rather than go to a a cabin in the mountain or in the woods somewhere, like some people, like writers do, I would just go to Santa Fe. You know? It's just, it's this quiet place. There's a lot of old people. It's kind of a retirement community. There's also a lot of young people. There's a ton. Basically, like, the artist per capita is absurd. Yeah. Like, it's just all nothing but coffee shops and art galleries. It's this amazing little place. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's my life now. But, um, so how's the intervening month been for you? Right. So, um, I exited the molasses flood. Is, I wanted to talk to you about that. Yes. Is that, like, all yeah. official? And it's, Yeah, it's been, uh, it was, like... Something we've been talking about forever and that was definitely on the horizon forever. And then all of a sudden we just slammed into, okay, it should be done by the end of the month. Like, what? Ooh. So we within like a week, I um, we made it official. We went to the, the lawyers and everything. I exited the molasses flood. I founded an LLC and now I'm, uh, I'm a solo indie dev. I own a small company called Chump Squad. Chump Squad? Is that the name? That's, That's awesome. That's the name. It's Chump Squad. That's Good work. Right. Good choice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to ask. I was like, is it Gwen Frey LLC? Because when, <laughs> no, when, when I had to put like a name for tax purposes, I just put my name again. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't have a company. It's just me. So it's like Chris Slight Incorporated. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's weird because usually <clears throat> when you name a company, it's like in the past, every time I've done it, it's been a huge pain in the ass because it's, yeah. you got to get everybody to agree and your name has to be meaningful and important. Yeah. But now it's like, it still has to be meaningful and important. It's going to be my label for, I don't know, 
forever because I'm going to be bigger than, I don't know, Blizzard. I so think so. Obviously, this is huge, right? It's got a, yeah, man. Kind's going to be bigger than Mario. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we're all so, going to be uh, talking about. <laughs> it's going to be in Wreck It Ralph 5, I think, if we hold on. Yeah, yeah. Are they up to five? They will, they will be up to five, Jesus. So, um, oh, they, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this time it was way easy. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. It, like, um, it, it was perfect. It, I was surprised at how quickly that all came together. I made yeah. the logo in like an afternoon. So, what was the name of it again? Chomp Squad. Chomp Squad. That's a really good name. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, man. Yeah, the, uh, it's a story from Irrational, basically, is what it comes Ooh. down to. It's like why I went indie in the first place. Well, it's not why. It's one of the things I adore about. Oh, God. It's a long story. Yeah. Do you, do you, is it a story you want to tell or a story do you, you can do you tell? Do you have five minutes to tell Dude, a story? We've got, I can't we've tell got infinite time. It's digital. <laughs> That's true, I guess. Okay. So we were... Um, oh, God. This is like everything with game development. Okay. So in a game development studio, you have like your leads, right? Like, so you'll have your mm-hmm. your programming director and then you'll have like your lead gameplay programmer and then programmers underneath them and so forth and you're organized by discipline um and usually you reach a point in production especially in these large teams where you need to come up with an interdisciplinary structure of some sort um this is you'll see every like couple years a bunch of producers get together in a room i'm assuming at gdc and come up with like some new system that everybody will be using for the next bit but uh when we were, when I was at Irrational, towards the end of Bioshock Infinite, we came up with. Uh, it was determined that we needed to have strike teams. Well, we specifically called them squads. Oh. We did have squads to tackle features, right? So, for instance, there'd be the Liz squad, and that would be a group of people that did everything with Elizabeth, making sure like she looked at the right time, and, and just were in charge of. There was a programmer, a designer. It's interdisciplinary, and it's making sure Liz was good. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's, yeah, animators, programmers, whatever, but it's just like, you are specifically making sure this character or thing works. Exactly. So it's an interdisciplinary group of people that make a thing work, and there was always a squad lead, like the person who had final say over everything with that feature. And sometimes it was a designer, sometimes it was a programmer, it depends, right? Um, So the background characters in our game, when, when we first started making the game, when I got there, everything was an AI because we believed that we could have, like, Oh, what was the term? I think it started out, the programmer said we have 16 AI and then the AI got too complicated and we said, okay, we can only afford 11 AI at any given time. And then it was like, okay, we can only afford to have nine AI loaded at any time because they were just too complicated. Yeah. And one of those AI was Elizabeth. And all of a sudden we were telling designers, okay, you have to make a world, um, but there can only be like seven people in it. Huh. And those people, and how are we going to make those people disappear when the... Uh, when the combat AI come in, you yeah. know what I mean? So, obviously this just wasn't going to happen. We needed to come up with a solution, and what we came up with was, um, as a studio, we came up with the idea of, we'll make these skeletal meshes. They aren't AI, they're just, they're just, I don't know how to explain this, they, they, they're they dumb. They got no brain. Right? Okay, it's just a, it's just like a, a it's model a, of a, per- it's like a mannequin, like, that yes. <laughs> just sits there. And I would I would just script up little things in Kismet to make them look at you or or make them do different things. And I I um and basically it was like we called them chumps. They were the NPCs in the game. They had no AI, and I would script them to just do whatever it is I needed them to do, so they seemed human enough, right? Gotcha. gotcha. Make them blink often enough. Make them look at you when you get near them. But mostly like and this was slapped together within like a year. Like I I I came 
I had help, obviously, like um, programming support for certain things to expose certain things in Kismet and stuff. But, yeah. Um, for the most part, this was like my job for most of Bioshock Infinite was solving this problem and making, coming up with these background characters huh. and, and figuring out what background characters should be there and placing them in the world and working with the designers to make sure that like they were spaced out enough that they would have VO. And so my entire job for the most part for like over a year was just setting up these background characters that were called chumps. Um, so that's the backstory. So here's where it gets good. There was never a chump squad. Um, oh. It was just understood that like, because I made the system and I put them all in the game and I did everything involved with them. If you had a question about it, you just ask Gwen, right? So <laughs> Got a question like, about chumps? Gwen phrase, you lady. <laughs> yeah. I was in charge of the chumps and that was fine. And I was cool with it. Everybody was cool with it. Yeah. But you know politics it's a studio and uh they there was a moment where uh they wanted to give this one writer joe fielder a promotion they wanted him to feel good because um i don't know reasons yeah like I, i'm sure he did something phenomenal he's a great dude i'm sure he like did something great and they're like okay we need to we need to show him how much we appreciate him we're gonna give him a squad gotcha and so they they pulled me and joe into a room and they're like okay guys we've determined that a huge part of our game are the background characters um, we think there needs to be a chump squad. So what we're going to do is we're gonna, from here on out, there's now a chump squad and the squad lead is Joe. Um, mm-hmm. And I I was just like, whatever, I don't care. I was crunching. I <laughs> yeah, was like, does this make any difference to me? <laughs> I don't even give a fuck. Like, this, <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm like, wait, does Joe need to place them or am I still going to do like all the work with them? And I, did, I didn't even mean that like in a bitchy way. No, but that's, like, you know, like, you're like, okay, does anything change? Yeah, like, what, like, <laughs> yeah what, what's changing for me here? And they, and Joe... Uh, the producer in charge was like, oh no, Joe will be placing them in, in charge of them from now on. And Joe was like, I've never opened the editor. <laughs> so Joe's I'm like, why the fuck am I in charge of this? I don't want to, I don't want to place them. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what is, what is my job? And, yeah. he, and then he got, he's like, everyone knows Gwen does this. Why, why are we here? Mm. And so the whole meeting got shut down immediately. And Joe and I go back to our desks and I'm just like, whatever, the producers had a brain fart or something. And this will just end. Yeah. Um, and I thought that would be the end of it, right? Like, I thought, okay, there was yeah. a dumb moment, and now it's done. Yeah. The person I, that they said was going to do a thing said, I can't do that. What are you on about? And they went, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, oh, God. And so an hour passes, and then there's, I guess, the, a couple producers got together and had a meeting about this. And then they sent out a company-wide email mm. um, about, it went something like this. It was like, We've determined that chumps are a very important part of the game mm-hmm. and that we need to have a squad ab- around them. But Gwen is the only one who works with the chumps. So we've decided to invent a, a new position. It is called the czar. Oh, From henceforth, Gwen will be the czar of chumps. It's like, and this went uh, on the fucking org chart. I swear to God, we had an org oh, chart. And you're the only czar. Yes. With, we had an org chart where it was just like uh, organized by squads. And there was a squad lead and the people on the squad and way in the right corner off the end was just chumps are Colin Gwen. And for the entirety of irrational games, squads came and went and squad leads came and went, but there was only ever one chump star from beginning to end. I was the czar. Fuck yeah. Gwen Frey. The only fucking czar to rational. The Russian king of chumps. God. So that's the... That's the reality. Uh, I drank so many Moscow mules that night. I had a fucking blast. Yeah, I bet you did. White Russians, like, you're having a good time. (laughs) But yeah, so I never got my... But that's bullshit, Never got your squad. squad. Yeah. 
So I started my own. I'm not going to be the chump czar. I thought about it. I was like, should I make it like czar games or something like that? Yeah. I was like, you know what? I, what I wanted was a squad. Yeah. You know? So I'm just going to be a squad of one. Chump squad. That is awesome. That is like... Have, uh, that story has so many truths woven within it, Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It really sums up like the bureaucracy and the right? bullshit that is AAA. It really sums up like everything. Like it was such an unnecessary situation. And I love it. It's hilarious, right? We should probably wrap this up. We should. We did a bunch of cool stuff this month and we were excited about the future as usual. Yeah. That's the takeaway. I agree, Gwen. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this uh, with me again. And thank you, listener, for listening. We're back and we should be on a regular schedule again now. This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Light. And you've been in the dialogue box.